Okay, so here I am sitting, uh, welcome back to the Magic in Mining podcast series. I'm sitting on the sidelines of the Silver and Gold Summit here in San Francisco, and I came across David Morgan. Uh, for those of you that remember, David Morgan was a keynote speaker at the Precious Metals Investment Symposium in Melbourne recently, and he takes great pleasure in reminding me that actually he um, picked the winning horse in the Melbourne Cup, and I didn't. So thanks for that, David, and welcome back to the program. Kerry, it's great to be back with you. <laughs> nice to see you in San Francisco. Now, <coughs> David, uh, it's, it's interesting. Uh, we're, we're sitting here at a conference. There's lots of investors here and stuff. It seems to me, though, that outside what I would call the bubble of the silver and precious metals, sentiment seems to be still pretty lackluster would be a good word. Why do you think that is? Well, I think it's been superseded by the overall, overall stock market, which keeps making new highs. And then, of course, you cannabis, got the cryptocurrencies, and of course, as I wrote in one of my last public domain articles, the miners have gone to pot, and, <laughs> and cannabis becomes, you know, one of the leading uh, stock investments, especially for Canadians. So, there's lots of alternative investments outside of the traditional stock market that are vying for more risk capital, which is cannabis, cryptos, and of course, uh, part of the stock market as well. So when you say more risky, you, so so you feel like the, the 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 capital has moved to places where people are just desperately seeking the next big thing, the next great thing, and they are making big moves in these areas, but they're also making big falls, as we saw when when Bitcoin got up to twenty thousand and everyone was hysterical, and now it's down to about six thousand. So some people have lost their shirt. Why should they be looking at? I mean, you you write the Morgan report. You specifically write that report to educate people about precious metals, specifically silver. Um, tell us more about that, and tell us about you know what 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 feedback are you getting from okay. your reports? Well, I'd like to add on to that, Carrie. I do write about the precious metals a great deal, but the Morgan report covers all of. All, all economics. Metals, all yeah. economics and, and all the metals, basically. But coming back on point, we favor you know the precious metals above all. And the reason being is all recorded history shows that any time a fiat system has come to the fore, it's failed. It's that simple. So most people don't understand that. They don't know what it means. And they're too busy you know, cashing in their big cannabis stock or whatever. And I'm not against investing at all. In fact, I'm about as free market as you can become. But I also have kind of a burden to carry, which means that I know these things end badly. And we saw the comeuppance in 2008 with what's called by the mainstream financial press a financial crisis. We've done nothing to really resolve that except double the amount of debt that we have now compared to what we had then. So I think the next fall won't be just a subprime loan mortgage-backed securities fraud. That's what the essence of what took place in 2008. This time it could be a failure of no one thinking it could happen and a government failure. In other words, the sovereign debt of a nation state or nation states is no longer viable in the marketplace. If that were to occur, and I believe it could happen, not would, but could happen, you're in a situation where basically we're in new territory as far as how far down the markets would have to go to readjust to fair value. Look, um, I hate to burst the bubble here, but this is me just saying from it, you know, I invest, I look at this, but I've been hearing for the last, well, 10 years since that global financial crisis happened, that, my God, we, we escaped that one. Therefore, if it happens again, we'll just do another reset. We'll print some more money and we'll get out. So why can't that happen? Because aren't we just too big to fail? Isn't there just 
too much debt in the world. And, you know, the USD, it's, it's the reserve currency. It's very strong. There's a lot of debt out there. I mean, is it too big to fail? Because you said would, could, not would. Yeah, it is too big to fail. But the whole thing is based on confidence. And remember, in the word confidence, it's like a confidence man. It's a con game. And a lie can't live forever. The lie is that you can get something for nothing. So the whole entire central banking system is built upon a lie that they could print wealth, that they could print something from nothing straight out of thin air and actually centrally control an economy. It works, and it works well for a very long time. But there's some point where they lose that confidence. And once confidence is lost, it's game over. And that can happen rather rapidly. It's shown in you know, all of monetary history that it can occur. Not only does it occur, but it occur uh, um, fast. Fast. I mean, you know, it's a joke, but not. You know, I think it was Jesse Livermore had to go broke. You know, well, very slowly, then all at once, which is obviously a contradiction. But you see a degradation in economic affairs, meaning you see you know more layoffs. Sears is bankrupt. Such and such is bankrupt. More yeah. and more layoffs. You see this. So this is kind of an indicator over and over and over again that the economy is not as good as the mainstream press is telling us, and yet that's still chugging along. It's until, chugging along, until yeah. Until one day it doesn't chug anymore. So that's, again, revivifying the metaphor that how did you go broke slowly then all at once. It's sort of where I see it right now. And when you say slowly then all at once, and that's where you see it right now, do you see this happening within... And look, it's hard to... you know, Can we keep kicking... I guess the question is, can we keep kicking the can down the road for another 10 years? Yeah, I think it's a great question, and I will be consistent. And certainly I've missed the mark a few times. I don't miss it on this one. But I haven't been on a mainstream financial channel television in a very long time until recently. In my last trip to London, I was asked to be on RT, Russia Today. And I had a very long interview with uh, the renegade economics. <clears throat> I think it's a renegade econo economist. But regardless, he asked me that question at the end of, of the interview. And I said, I really doubt we could go five more years. And I truly mean that. And I based that on what happened in 2008, how much debt has been created, how much line is going on in the financial system, and how much debt creation it takes to get any actual production. And let me explain that. There's nothing wrong with borrowing money in my view. So if you borrow a dollar and you get a dollar ten or a dollar fifty's worth of value by going into debt, that's productive use of credit. But today, since governments are basically taking care of everybody everywhere, yeah. if you have to borrow $5 to get $1 increase in GDP, that is a miserable, miserable failure. And that's where we're at. And that, that curve keeps going up. So you've got to borrow more to get less. And I'm famous for saying in this Russia Today interview on a film called The Four Horsemen Film, you can never get enough of what you don't need. So if you don't need this non-productive capacity, you don't need to be spoon-fed everything. Actually, work is the way the world works presently. So if you just spoon-feed everything to everyone and give everything free, it doesn't work. And we see this happening more and more. The fall of the great Roman Empire had several reasons. One was monetary, debasing the currency. But one of the main ones was that so many people wanted to come in and become a Roman citizen because they wanted stuff for free. That sounds bread, like today. Free bread and circuses, and it's a repeat of today. Because we are in the welfare state right now, aren't we? In the welfare we? state, absolutely. And there's only so many taxpayer dollars that can go to keep propping this up, and it's getting bigger. 
I'd like to hear your comment, A, about that, and B, about the fact that the middle class seems to be disappearing. The, 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 the social welfare seems to be increasing rapidly. Yeah. Is, is that going to be one of the catalysts that you see might just knock the boat off its, off its uh, moorings? I think so. I mean, I learned very early on in my, you know, in my life that there would be a two-tier society that would be rich and everybody else. And you see that in third world countries, it's pervasive, but you don't see it in democratic societies, but you now see it shifting that way rapidly in the United States particularly, but you see it in Canada, you see it in all the quote-unquote free world. So that's number one. Number two is it's a political power shift, or can be. It's perceived to be a power shift because let's say the left, the left-leaning countries or left-leaning political states look for a power structure that's going to benefit them even further, meaning they get more stuff for free, is the food Absolutely, which is what's just happened, yeah. I think, over in Brazil. Yeah, and that's the big lie. It can't happen. You can't print wealth. You can't create money that you know has little value. But they don't know that. They meaning the populace. So, of course, they'll vote for more stuff for free. You know, I'm out of a job and provide for me. And, and you need to look after me. Right. And so this leads to a very, very dark world because the lie, it's a lie, but people believe it. They have hope, they trust, and they think of authority as actually having meaning, whereas really the, the, the actual, not only political, but spiritual shift comes back to the reality. And the reality is that you are responsible for yourself and you're responsible for your own decisions and you're responsible to actually ask the question, can someone else really take care of me and my needs? And the answer, of course, really comes back on your own person, but you're not taught that. You're taught to believe in authority. Authority knows more than you do and you can't do anything without asking permission. And that's a really interesting point. You are taught to believe. We don't teach people how to be self-sustaining at schools in, and, and, and we're not taught. I mean, it seems to me like we are taught to be good slaves, tax, mm -hmm. good tax slaves. They need more tax dollars to keep propping up this system that appears to be broken. But if it does break, what's going to be the, what's going to be the upside? I mean, how do, how, what, what does it look like if it does break? Well, in that RT interview, I said, <clears throat> on the optimistic side, and I know everything I've said sounds pretty doom, gloom, and pessimistic, but I think that the basis of humanity is very deep, and that it's going to be a very spiritually motivated revolution. Because when in the old expression, when the t you know going gets tough, the tough get going. I still believe in the greater good theory, meaning that most humans are basically good, not bad. And I think it's going to be a major challenge for the leadership to come out in whatever community you are in to lead by example. And it's not what you have, it's what you have. And what I mean there, it's where you come from, connected to your spiritual strength, meaning your innermost being, your heart and your head and your hands, and you're able to lead others and show them by example that it's a nonviolent, love what you get and appreciate what you have. So we're going to go through a most major shift about what is important in life that we have not had in centuries. That's the way I see it. And I think there's a possibility that certainly there'll be violence, certainly there'll be an uproar, but I think that's going to be relatively quickly over with. And I think from that point forward, you're going to be much more connected to your fellow human being, and it's going to be more on a spiritual 
basis that we actually sense each other and value each other again, rather than valuing things. We've gotten so far away from what's valuable as our human experience and our connection. We usually could feel it with our family, and yet even families now don't even have that. Well, we've got all this technology, haven't we? I mean, I was on the train the other day, David, and I saw every single person burying their head in their mobile phone. No one acknowledges anybody anymore. It's really quite sad. Yeah, it is. And nature has a way of preaching balance, meaning getting away from that and getting back to the basics, which is our human interaction. So who knows? I certainly have more questions than answers, but that's the way I see it. Can you tell our listeners about how uh, they can subscribe to the Morgan Report, what it is they get, how they can find you, and how they can find more of your wonderful thoughts and reports going forward? Well, thank you for that buildup. Well, I have two reports, really. I've got a free Morgan Report, so just go to morganreport.com, give me an email address and a first name, and I'll give you uh, the free subscription. We do some uh, offers. Some people like the offer, some people don't. But every weekend, I gather all the interviews I've done like this. I post them uh, on the weekend. Also, anything I've done on a blog or, or writing or whatever. So you get all that in your email box for free. On the paid side, I have two levels of service, a premium service where I do video updates like this, a lot of them are technical with what's going on in the market, and it's just not metals, as I said. It could be the bond market, the U.S. dollar, the Aussie dollar, uh, it could be cryptos. I've even done a few on blockchain, and then, of course, some of the stocks that we follow, and that's a paid service. And then there's one level above that that's called the mastermind. The mastermind's geared for AIs, accredited investors, and fund managers. And this is where I drill down usually into deep topics and have uh, guests such as uh, like an Eric Sprott or John Emery or Mike Maloney or whatever, where the audience actually gets to interface with these people directly through my portal. Wow. And on top of that, occasionally, like once or twice a year, we'll have a private placement opportunity for financing for people that want to take that high risk high reward scenario where you could get, you know, 10 bag or five bagger, or you might put in risk capital and come back to zero. But uh, usually I try to find vet them uh, ahead of time and I have the CEO do the whole presentation. And so my people get to hear it, you know, straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So that's the mastermind. So, so that's a great, great value. Yes. Well, David, thanks for joining us on the sidelines of the Silver and Gold Summit here in San Francisco. And ladies and gentlemen, I'd just like to finish off by saying, I gave him a Tim Tam. You know, the good old Aussie Tim Tam. And he like you tell them, did you like the Aussie Tim Tam? I did indeed, and I am a bit of a chocolateaholic, so it was very, very nice. And it's the end of a two-day conference, so, you know, we need a bit of a sugar high. So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. We'll hear, see you next time. Thanks for joining us, David. My pleasure. Thank you.